And as we do that, we begin to see great things. Amen. Well, good morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to. Where's, where's Jordan Shante? Where'd they go to? Come on, Jordan Shante. Where are you at? We've been blessed for the last nine and a half years to have um, George, Shante, and Kendall with us. They've served in a number of ways, primarily with the youth and the children's church, as well as um, music. Come on up. Come on up. And um, so with, um, with hearts that are sad to see them go, but excited as they press on to pursue God's will for their lives, we're going to come on up. We're going to pray for you all. Amen. 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 We love you guys, and we thank God for you. And it's been a good nine and a half years. You've been faithful. You've been dependable. And, um, you know, I've got there somewhere in a file somewhere. I have their resume originally from about 10 years ago. And Kendall wasn't that big. Amen. He's just a little, you wouldn't have been able to see him at the pulpit, but he's growing. It's been good to see them all grow. And, oh, we got some flowers for you. Come on, Pastor Todd. He's got some flowers. Because everybody likes flowers. Amen. Flowers. And, um. And we, of course, we have a card, and you know it's an original. If there's spelling errors, then you know it's that I wrote it. That's how you can. That's how you can prove it was an original. I looked up. I had to look up Shantae's name, make sure I spelled it right. I looked that up, but I just, I just went with for Kendall. I just whatever it sounded like. So if there's spelling errors. That's how you tell us it's ain't original. We love you guys, and we thank God for you, and you've been a real blessing. And you guys, I know you were so young when you came, and you just threw yourself into everything, and. There were so many needs back in the early days. And whatever we needed, you guys were there to take it on. And um, you were certainly an answer to prayer. And, um, and through these years, just watching you guys grow up and just be part of the team and part of the family. And you were part of everything that you've seen these last decade. And you guys were a big part of that. And we just thank God for you. We always have. And you've been a blessing. And so we want to, now as you're going on to a new place and a new season and a new challenge, we're just going to believe that same God that never fails. He goes before you, and he'll bless you. As you're faithful here, you'll be faithful there, and he'll bless you. So, um, amen. Pastor Todd, come. Let's lay hands, folks. Let's pray the, uh, lay your hands, and we're going to pray a blessing. And um, Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much. George, Shante, Kendall, we thank you for the Flores family. And, Father, we just thank you for their goodness. They've been good to us. They have been your blessing to us. For these last ten years or so, Lord, they've been proven, they've been tried, and they've given their very best, and you've used them, Lord. And they've been a great comfort. They've been a great comfort. Now, Father, I pray a fresh anointing for a fresh season. Father God, as you bring them to a new place, let the favor of the Lord go with them, and let the favor of the Lord be upon them. Father, we pray wisdom for every decision, anointing, and strength for every endeavor. We pray, O oh God, that you would bring to pass the desires of their heart and you would use them in great and wonderful ways. Father God, meet every need. Be their shield and be their shade. Let your favor forever surround them. The smile of heaven be upon them. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We love you. Thank you. We miss you. We miss you. I miss you too. You can hug me. I'm huggable. God bless you, dear. We love you. And we're going to do that again in the next service. So don't, we're going to, no, get the flowers back. No, you can keep the flowers. You, you, you can keep the, you can keep the flowers. You can do whatever you can. Amen. That's it. Anybody write down that prayer? Do I got to get a new one? No. Hallelujah. 
Well, glory to God. And the Lord good to us. Good morning. Good morning. Nine o'clock service. Good to see you. And they're going to get back there and adjust that because it's, it's, um, it's driving me nuts. I don't know about you. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to John's Gospel, chapter 21. John's Gospel, chapter 21. And we're going to look at an encounter that Peter had with Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. We'll use as a title, Lasting Lessons for Effective Service. Or, if you'd like, After You Return, Then What? After You Return, Then What? When you return, you want to stay returned. Amen? When you return, you don't want to go back no more. You want to go forward in the Lord. And we're going to look at some things here. So if you would, John's Gospel, chapter 21. And if you start out, let's look at verse 3. I'm going out to fish, said Simon Peter. And the rest of the disciples said, we're going to go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends or children, some of the older translations. Have you got any fish? Or you didn't catch any fish, did you? No, they answered. Verse 6, Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. He had taken it off and he jumped into the water and he swam to shore. When he gets there, Jesus has some fish and some bread over a fire. Jesus had the original fish fry right there. Jesus gave them that fish fry. Amen. He'd do well around here, wouldn't he? Amen. And they had breakfast together. Come and dine. They had breakfast. Now, after breakfast, very important, verse 15, after breakfast, when they had finally finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then a third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Jesus was probing him. Jesus was getting at something. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourselves and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me, follow me. Now, Peter turned in verse 20 and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. He saw John was following them. And this was the one that leaned back against Jesus at supper and said, Lord, um, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. After you return, then what? After you return, then what? In this morning's sermon, I want to look at three important truths that we all need if we desire to be fruitful and effective in our Christian service. Now, the background, this is Peter's public restoration. 
You remember Peter blew it, right? He denied the Lord three times after he was warned and he shrugged off Jesus' warning. He denied he even knew the Lord. He swore, I swear I don't know him. And now he's being restored. Jesus has risen at this point. He's met with Peter privately, but now, at the instruction of the Lord, the disciples are waiting in Galilee. And Jesus is going to give three important keys, three important um, truths. If we really want to be fruitful in our service, he's going to call all of us this morning, obey me, love me, and follow me. Those three things. He says, obey me, love me, and follow me. Firstly, let's touch on Peter's restoration. Then we'll dive into the bulk of this message. But here's Peter being restored. He had failed the Lord, but we want to keep in mind that failure is an event. Failure is not a person. That it's something you do, it's not something you become. Failure might be a fact of life, but for the child of God, it's not a way of life. And Peter failed, and he failed big time. He failed more than once after repeated warnings. But we find out, praise the Lord, that God restores those that fall, and God revives those that falter. In fact, one of the most comforting scriptures that we find in the Bible, 1 John 1 and verse 9, I'll read the New King James. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess them, not not ignore them, not deny them, but if we own up to them and we acknowledge them and are willing to turn to them, if we confess our sins, He, the living God, what a thought, the living God, the only one that can judge a person, the living God, He says He is faithful and He's just because of what Jesus did to forgive us of all our sins, all our unrighteousness. It's so good to know that if you want to come back, you can come back. If you want a fresh start, you can have a fresh start because we serve a God that restores lives and revives lives and brings people back on track. Peter, he left that night of his betrayal weeping, but that was not the end. Jesus was arrested and brought into the house of the high priest. They had bound him. They had started to abuse him. And there was Peter in the outer courts. He followed afar. And Jesus had warned him, Peter, by the time the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, not me, not me. I'm the rock. These other guys are weak, but not me. But there was Peter once, twice, three times. The servant girls, the others, aren't you the one? Weren't you the one? Didn't you strike with the sword? And Peter says, I don't even know the man. He says, I swear I don't know him. And the Bible says in Luke's gospel, immediately the last time he denied, the rooster crows. And Jesus, he's bound, bloodied and battered. He catches the eye of Peter. The way the homes were built that day, you could see to the outer courts. And so there's Peter warming his hands at the fire while Jesus is inside bound and being questioned. And their eyes connect. And the Bible says when that happened, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Mm. Peter left weeping, but it didn't end there, praise God. You see, after the weeping, there is just a comma, not a period. It's what a person does after the weeping, after the mistake, after the regret that determines act two. Peter's failure was just act one, but God, God had a second act for Peter. God had a second chance for Peter. God has a second chance for whosoever will come and respond to the goodness of God. See, the same Peter who had denied the Lord and failed and wept, he's the one that God chose to deliver that first sermon of that early church. He's the one that preached, I'll referring to the day of Pentecost, 
in Acts, the second chapter. He's the one that God allowed to preach that first dynamic message. Man, what a sermon Peter preached. You remember that. He preached with boldness and passion. He preached with conviction. He preached with such a strong anointing that the Bible says grown men were cut to their heart and they cried out, what must we do? And he said, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. And that day, 3,000 men got saved. I'm telling you, God is a restorer. He doesn't just bring someone, I forgive you, now forget it. He restored them back to his place and his position. God's a good God. Can you say amen? And if we miss anything here, we got to get that before anything else. Peter was restored and our God is a God of second chances. He's a God that restores individuals, families, churches. He's a good God if we'll respond to him and respond and give ourselves to the goodness of God. All right. Now, final lessons for effective service or after you return, then what? After you come back weeping and God forgives, then what? Well, number one, Jesus said, obey me. We see in verses five through seven, obey me. For obedience brings the blessing. Another sub point can simply be obedience proves sincerity. Now, we're not going to stress that one. We're going to hang our time on obedience brings the blessing. Jesus is teaching his men the important lesson of complete obedience. Trusting him to meet their needs. They don't have to go forward and backwards. But when you commit your life to a walk of obedience to God, then your life can be one that goes faith to faith, glory to glory. You can mature and you can grow and you can advance as opposed to regress in your Christian experience. And we understand that the miracles that Jesus performed, they um, they achieved a purpose. They, they met a need. They were real miracles. They really got healed. They really were fed. They, the storm really stopped. But beyond just the miracle itself, they also communicated lessons. That Jesus was trying to bring kingdom truths and principles to his men. His miracles carried a message with them. And one lesson that we see throughout the Gospels, we see throughout the Word of God, is the necessity of obedience and faith. To receive from God, it's, it's hearing and obeying the Word of God. Believing the good promise of God. Whether it's salvation, whether it's moving a mountain of opposition, Hey, even if it's receiving a promise, we see over and over again, in order to receive from God, we've got to trust God and we've got to do things God's way. When we study our Bible, we see again, um, typically what would precede a miracle is the communication or the instruction of heaven, the command of God. And then as the believer believes that word and steps out in obedience to that command, that is what brings forth the blessing. That's how God works. So faith and obedience. Jesus, if once you return, if you want to stay strong in God and you want to get go forward in God, learn this key. You've got to obey God. Come on, say amen. It's not a Burger King religion. You can't have it your way. you got to have it God's way. How many times they come and there's regret and there's sorrow, but they never keep up with it. Why? Because after they get done crying, they don't change the way they're living. But Jesus is teaching Peter through his restoration. He's teaching the rest of these disciples. Remember, he's going to ascend. He's not going to be there anymore. They've got to learn how to walk by faith and not merely by sight. He's saying, number one, if you're going 
want to be fruitful in your Christian experience, you've got to learn to obey me. But if you'll obey me, not only will it prove your sincerity towards me, you'll see my blessing flow and my goodness work in your life. Faith and obedience. In fact, such an important lesson that here we find at the end, Jesus is pretty much duplicating a miracle he did way in the beginning. If you remember in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, when he's first calling these men to be his disciples, similar miracle. Again, he wants to emphasize. He wants to tell his disciples one more time, before he leaves the earth, the importance, follow my commands and obey my instructions, and you'll see the blessing and provision flow in your life. The key to living a life that is characterized by stability and consistency and enduring victory is by hearing and putting to practice the word of the Lord. In fact, Jesus, way back early in the Gospels there in Matthew, that seventh chapter, Jesus said, the person that will hear and obey my word, the person that will hear the word of God and put the word of God to practice, you're like a, a house that was built on a strong, sturdy foundation. And though the storms of life hit and the tests and trials of life attack, you'll stand firm, you'll prevail, you'll withstand everything that comes against you. This is not your strength, it's the strength of what your life is built on, the Word of the living God. So number one, Jesus saying, I want you to learn, if you'll obey me, you'll walk in the blessing. He tries to reinforce this, he's trying to remind them of this. He's going away, but this is a principle that endures. You see, that night they had fished all night, caught nothing. Fished all night, they caught nothing. One scholar calls it the failure of the experts. I mean, they knew how to fish. That's how they made their living. They were professional fishermen. They grew up fishing. But that was a night of failure. But that failure was in the plan and purpose God had for them. You see, that was part of God's curriculum. How many know God knows how to get our attention? Anybody? God knows how to get our attention. I mean, they they were sincere. They worked hard. No results. Why? They weren't in the plan of God. And I think about, you know, failure and frustration often characterizes us when we refuse to submit to God's plan. Everyone's had to be there once in a while. It's frustrating. It's like your tires are spinning sometimes when we're out of step with what God's doing. It doesn't matter if we're sincere doesn't matter how hard we're working. If we're not in obedience to what God wants us to do, we can expend a lot of energy, we can have a lot of sincerity, and we'll go nowhere in the end except get tired. But here, we see how obedience brings the blessing. And friend, it's God's will for you to be blessed. It's God's will for you to walk in His way so He can shower you with His blessing. He's a good God. He's a wonderful Heavenly Father. I love it in the Old Testament over and over again when He'll encourage the, uh, the Israelites said, if you walk in my ways and be obedient to the commands, He used this phrase, so it will go well with you. I like this. God desires your wellness. Amen? Before wellness was an instinct word, before wellness, wellness this, wellness. Listen, God, the Almighty, wants the wellness of His people. He goes, I want you blessed in your marriage. I want you blessed on your job. I want you blessed in your mind. I want you blessed in your body. I want the works of your hand to be blessed. Why? Because you're my son and you're my daughter. What good father doesn't want the goodness to be upon his children? Can you say amen? But God says if you want my blessing, you got to do it my way. you got to walk according to my commands. you got to live according to my word. But if you'll do that, you'll have the smile of heaven upon your life. Can you give God praise? 
Now notice three things in this first part. Number one, I want you to see there's a question that awakens them. Jesus was a great teacher, amen? I mean, He could teach us in victory. He can teach us in defeat. I mean, He can teach us if we're teachable. But then there's a command that directs them and empowers them. The commands of God not only direct us, but as we go forth to obey them, they empower us to do it. The power of God is present when we release that obedience. But thirdly, we see that the blessing that not only teaches them, but overtakes them. Such a blessing, they can't even pull in the net. Number one, there's a question that awakens them, an insightful question. Before they recognize him, here's Jesus on the shore and he yells out, Hey, you don't have any food, do you? Hey, children, did, did you catch any fish? He knew they didn't catch any fish. He knew that, but he wants to focus their attention on the fact that by themselves, they hadn't succeeded. They thought they'd go back to the old ways. No, no. Once you meet the Lord, you can't go back to your old ways. Once you meet Jesus, you forget those old ways. They'll never fulfill the... Not again, not again. Jesus knew it. He wants to focus their attention on the fact that by themselves they had not succeeded. So that way when He takes over and they get blessed, they're not going to miss the point. Lord, help us to be teachable so we don't have to keep going over and over the same curriculum again and again. It's not good to go through third grade three times. Amen. Secondly, there's a command that instructs them and empowers them. He gives the command. Remember, His commandments are His enablements. When God says, walk on the water, you can walk on the water. When God says, stretch forth your hand, if it's crippled, you can stretch it forth. If God's Word comes, there's power to do what that Word commands. One command, just one command from Jesus, in the same place they had struggled and they had failed. Well, Now, when Jesus takes over, wow, there's a sermon for someone. Let Jesus take over. Stop struggling in your own strength. Stop trying to figure out with your own wits. But make a fresh halter. Give a fresh obedience. Let Jesus take over your life. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. You don't have to struggle and strain through life when you allow the Lord to have His rule in your life. He'll give you the strength and He'll give you the grace. And when you let Him have His way, then you can say like Paul, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because when I'm in His will, I have His power and I have His presence. And I have His plan. And I can walk from victory to victory. But here we see the disciples, when they reach the end of their ability, Jesus is able to step in and give them the victory. Jesus took over when they obeyed. And we're never far from success when Jesus gives the orders. It's amazing how quick things can change when there's a fresh consecration and commitment to do things God's way. It's an amazing how good things can happen when we say, Lord, from now on, I'll obey, obey your plan and I'll live according to your blueprint. Child of God, the Lord says, do it my way. Live according to my word, for I can turn frustrations into celebrations if you just let me have my way and let me have my rule. Don't question everything I do. Don't have to, don't think I'm going to beg for your obedience. 
But if you just surrender and yield and do it my way, then you'll see the unfolding and the working and the goodness of God showered upon your life. He says to you and I this morning, just do it His way. If it means forgive them, then forgive them. If it means take the high road, then take the high road. If it means step out of the boat and walk by faith, even though you're a timid soul, my Lord, for heaven's sake, step out of that thing and trust the Lord and watch what God will do through your life when you say, I'll obey you. He still turns frustrations into celebrations. How many remember the first miracle recorded in the Gospels? John, the second chapter. Jesus took a frustration and made it a celebration, but man, it demanded a human participation. There was something on the human end. They were at a wedding feast and the wine was gone. Frustration. But then Jesus stepped in and there was celebration. I'm trying to tell you, He'll turn around that marriage. He'll turn around that relationship. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He'll heal your body. You'll walk when they said you can't walk. You'll sing when they said you can't sing. You'll know God like you've never known Him before. But you got to do it His way. Somebody say amen. Frustration. Jesus said, go ahead and pour some barrels with water. There's a strange command. There's a strange instruction. It starts with the instruction. Stop questioning God's instructions and just start obeying God's instructions. We question too much as if we know, as if the clay can speak back to the potter, as if the thing created can yell and debate with His Creator. But oh, Jesus said, go ahead and fill fill those pots with some water. There's some barrels. Fill them with water. And they looked a little strange, but Mary was there. And Mary said, listen, whatever He says unto you, you just do it. Can you say amen? Now when man tells you something, something, you got to question things. When man tells you something, you better get a second opinion. But when God says something, when Jesus says something, put all that aside and whatever He says unto you, go ahead and do it. Do it. Do it. And you'll watch frustrations turn into celebrations. You know the story. They put water in there. He says, now take that water and bring it to the head of the feast. And they did so. And when He tasted it, He said, it's the best wine. I've ever had. Oh, glory be to God. I'm trying to tell you, Jesus wants you and I to learn how to obey Him, how to walk according to that Word, and that's when you'll begin to see frustrations turned into celebration. We won't always understand His ways. We won't always be able to perceive why He's doing it as He's doing it. That's not our concern. Our concern as disciples is to say, yes, Lord, I'll obey you. And as we obey the Lord, we release the working of a great God into our lives and situations. Oh, bless His name, somebody. There was a question that awakened them. Sometimes we need to examine ourselves. Why are you in the mess you're in? That's a good question, isn't it? You're never going to get out of it if you don't identify it. I mean, you just keep doing that same thing over and over again and wondering why. Well, you don't start treating her better, of course, she's not going to, you know, I mean, sometimes we, we never change and we wonder why life won't change. We don't identify the problem. We've got to identify. That's what Jesus is trying to get them to the point. Remember, you might be professionals in the natural, but when it comes to serving me, just obey me. Just obey me. And secondly, he says, I want to give you a command. I want to teach you something. 
When I tell you to do it, if you'll just do it, the power of God will be there to bless it every time. Every time. They threw that net out hundreds of times all night long, got nothing. One command from Jesus. One command from Jesus. They couldn't even bring it all in. Woo, glory be to God. It pays to get in step with God, does it not? It pays to say, Lord, I'm going to get back in line with you. And now number three, they receive a blessing that obviously teaches them this lesson and a blessing that overtakes them. The only recorded miracle after the resurrection. And it's a lesson that God doesn't want us to forget. And again, friend, let Jesus direct your life. Let him give his instructions and then let the blessings flow. It's the call to build and live according to the divine pattern. The divine pattern. I read a story the other day. I reread a story the other day, I should say. And it comes back from the World War II era where um, there were certain groups that packed the parachutes for the paratroopers. And the story goes, World War II, the parachute packers had an unacceptable record. 19 out of 20 would open. That means 1 out of 20. All right? So the manager discovered that by allowing the packers the pleasure of testing their parachutes by jumping from a plane, quality rose to 100% overnight. Isn't that pretty good? And as I read that, I said, you know what, friend? You and I are packing our own shoot in life. It's easy to blame others, but the bottom line is you and I are packing our own shoot. So, friend, let's not be careless in our Christianity, but let's obey the Lord and build our lives according to the divine pattern of the Lord. You see, Jesus is simply saying to us, is saying to all of his people through this, recognize you need me. But no, if you'll obey me, then nothing will be impossible for you. For I can still turn frustrations and failures into triumphs and victories if you'll just do it my way. Just do it my way. After you return, then what? Well, after I return, I'm going to be committed to obey the Lord and build my life according to the pattern of the Word of God. But secondly, he says, if you're going to obey me, also need to love me. And we see this in verses 15 through 19. In fact, I'm going to give you, the, there's the PowerPoint up there. Under this, our love for Christ is essential for both our relationship and our service. And secondly, our love for Christ has a visible expression. Here's a verse that'll kind of connect our first two points. John 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. You can't separate love and obedience, obedience and love. Our Lord takes Simon Peter and calls this faltering disciple back to service publicly. That's what's going on here. And we learn one of the all-important truths from this interview. Love for the Savior is a prerequisite for proper service to the Savior. You see, Peter had denied the Lord publicly three times. And now three times he has an opportunity to affirm his love and receive his commission. And here's a key issue. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? More than loving the songs we sing and loving the doctrines that we preach. More than just loving using your gift or enjoying his blessings. More than even 
just enjoying the friends and the fellowship of seeing your relatives at church. Do you love Jesus? Does Jesus have a real affection and first place in your heart? Is there a personal love for Jesus Christ in your life that's stronger than everything else? This is our Lord's question. It's a probing question. Look, if you would, at verse 15. Jesus begins, he says, when they finished eating, Jesus says, Simon Peter, remember, he's going to restore him publicly now. And he's going to get to the heart of the matter. Because if he has your heart, a real love for Jesus, everything else will flow. Sometimes we try to do it the other way. You don't got to beg someone to come to church if you really love Jesus. You have to beg someone to serve faithfully if you really love Jesus. If you love other things more, then there's always going to be that inconsistency and it's just it's the way it is. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, a probing question, a searching question. We might have expected the question to be, now do you really believe in me after that miracle? Now that you've seen me raised from the dead, will you obey me now, Peter? Now are you ready to carry out my plan? He doesn't ask those questions. But rather, the risen Lord gets right to the heart of the matter. Any matter. Peter, do you really love me? More than, and now you fill in the blank, more than these. More, more than my friends, my comforts, my will, my control. Wow. My right to have the last word. That's the question he had. Probing question, isn't it? Do you love me more than these? When we think about it, we realize it is the true question. Because if Jesus Christ has our sincere affection, devotion and commitment within, then He'll have my obedience. He'll have my service. He'll have my confidence. He'll have my holiness. It's a question that we all have to answer with our lips as well as with our lives, how we live. It's a question that carried with it a special role in Peter's restoration. Again, three times he's warned. Three times he denies. And now three times There's an opportunity to declare his love for Jesus openly. Then beautifully, after each confession, there's an acceptance and a commission from the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't be ashamed to declare your love for the Lord Jesus. Don't be ashamed to publicly declare you love him and you serve him and you live your life for him. He wasn't ashamed of us. He wasn't ashamed to identify with us. He wasn't ashamed to go to the cross for us. And now that we have received the richness of His grace through Calvary, through the shed blood, let us never be ashamed to live for Him and let the world know we love the Lord. And that's why we do what we do and live what we live. See how here Jesus is saying to Peter, Okay, Peter, you love me? If you love me, I'm going to tell you how to show it. If you love me, then you can no longer... Shelter me in your house. I'm going to my father's house. You can no longer let me use your fishing boat to preach in. I'm not going to do the preaching anymore. You are. But if you love me, really love me, Peter, and you desire to show it, then expend it on those I love for whom I died. For those I long to see brought into my fold. For the sheep and the little lambs that some have strayed and others have become wounded and others have been knocked down and need to be lifted up. If you love me, then love for me. 
If you love me, then let me love through you. Feed my sheep. Care for my lambs. Peter, if you really love me, then serve me. Be my hands and be my voice. For even if you do it to the least of these, you're doing it unto me. Remember the story of, there was a guy, well, Joe, Bill, John, whatever his name, but he was asked by a neighbor to drive her son to the hospital. And quite frankly, he had other things planned for that Saturday, but he didn't know how to say no, so he put the kid in the car and he began to drive that 50-mile journey. And suddenly the little guy, he must have been three, four, whatever, he turns up and looks shyly at the guy and says, Are you God? The man looked down, no, no. And the boy continued, well, I heard mom asking God for some way to get me to the doctor. And if you're not God, do you work for him? The neighbor replied, I I, I guess so. And I'll tell you what, from now on, I'm going to work for him a whole lot more. If you love me, then you serve me. How do you serve me? You love others in my name. You carry out my... Peter publicly affirms his love. And when he affirms his love, it brought to Peter two, two things, two things. It brought him a task and it brought him a cross. It brought him a task. If you love me, then serve me. Give your life, Peter, by shepherding my flock. One of the truest proofs of love for Jesus is our willingness to minister to the people of Jesus. And so we say, I love God. He says, if you love me, you love my people. But, but, but your people, your God, if you love me, you love my people. Many ways to do this. You can teach a class. You can cook a meal. You can pick someone up for a ride. You can visit someone that's shut in. So many ways to participate and to let Jesus love through you. But if we're really going to be fruitful, and when we return, we're really going to keep on walking with God, It demands a sincere love for the Lord. And that sincere love expresses itself in how we minister to others in His name and do His works in the earth. When Peter affirmed his love, it brought him a task and then it brought him a cross. You see, there's both the privilege and the responsibility of love. Love has a duty. Love is not just an affection. That's just part of it. Ask any spouse who's had to walk through a dark time with another. There's a duty of love, not just a yippee of love. Goes to the cross. This makes our last point. Obey me, follow me, love me. You look at verses 18 and 19. And when Peter, when Peter hears what's going on, Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus gives him a little glimpse into his future. He says, I tell you, when you were younger, when you were a young guy, you kind of did what you wanted to do. But when you're old, and he's telling them how he's going to go to a cross and he's going to die on a cross. And when Peter hears that, very human nature, Peter turns around, what about him? And Jesus says these simple words. Peter, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You've got to follow me. Peter, I'm going to give you a glimpse of your future. And it's going to be challenging. And it's going to cost you something. It's going to demand a sacrifice. If you love me, you'll sacrifice for me. But now follow me. Let's bring this together. Number one, I want to thank God that he's still saying follow me. 
At this point, he could have said, well, Mercedes said, follow me. This is similar to the early days when Jesus first called them. Remember, he said, follow me and I'll make you. Now towards the end, he says, follow me, follow me. Again, love brought Peter a task, but it also brought him a cross. Love always brings responsibility and sacrifice. There is the duty of love. William Barclay writes, We don't really love Christ unless we're prepared to face his task and to take up his cross. Peter found that. He found out what his task was. And then again, very human nature, he wants to know about John. And this is what Jesus writes, and this is interesting. Because when it comes for you and I to follow him, there are many, many things that can distract us and discourage us from following Christ. Some things, almost innocent things, if we allow them to get our focus or allow them to somehow become a stumbling block to us. I've seen some people want to backslide because of the way God treated or didn't treat someone else. And Jesus is addressing this. Once you return, then what? Well, we see here, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, never mind the task that is given to someone else. Your job is just follow me. Literally, keep following me. Don't let the paths of others become a distraction or a stumbling block to you. Let there be no comparisons. Let there be no jealousies. You just follow me. You keep your eyes on me, Peter. And you just walk where I tell you to walk and do what I tell you to do. And as we keep our eyes on the Lord and we walk with God, the fact is He's laid out a very different path for all of us. Every one of us who really loves the Lord. We're going to walk a different path. Well, don't let that, your path, or the way God treats others seemingly, don't let that become a stumbling block. Every path will have its mountains. Every path will have its valleys. Every path will have times of victory. Every time of great challenge. No path will be trouble free. But every path will have its share of joys and sorrows. There will be things we don't understand. There'll be things that we say, wow, Lord, I didn't deserve this. But no path will be trouble-free. But everyone that trusts God, everyone that chooses to say, Lord, I'm going to give you first place in my life, if you'll just keep on following Him and keep on walking with Him, in the end, you'll know the victory and the honor. You'll know the reward that comes to those that are faithful. After you return, then what? After a man or a woman really comes to Christ, and makes a sincere commitment to follow Him. After someone that maybe stumbled, like Peter, and is being restored, comes back and makes a fresh start. What do you do after the fresh start? You obey me. You love me. And you follow me. You obey me. Because obedience is what will bring the blessing and keep you strong and keep you growing. It's that obedience that will prove the sincerity that you really do love me and want to serve me. And then love me. Love me by touching others for me. Love me by telling others about me. Love me. Peter had, he had to reaffirm his love for the Lord. Maybe someone's here today or someone's listening and you need to make a fresh public commitment to Christ. You've been flying under the radar too long and it's time to publicly announce you love the Lord. And let the people around you know I'm serving the Lord. Do so. Do so. Obey me, love me, and lastly, follow me. 
regardless of what others do, regardless of what happens to you, whatever path life calls you to take, whatever assignment God entrusts to your life, follow the Lord Jesus with all your heart. Keep looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him and don't be distracted by all the other things. And do your best to be faithful where He puts you. To be faithful and sincere as He leads you. We close in prayer. If anyone's here today and you need to reaffirm your love for the Lord Jesus, take the opportunity to do so. Maybe someone left your first love somewhere along the line. You don't mind doing this and doing that, but that real sincere love for Jesus is somewhere lost. Well, it's time to reclaim it and time to restore it. But then for all of us, let's follow the Lord with all our hearts. It's so easy in this world to get sidetracked or get offended, to allow this or that to become a stumbling block. Well, let's give Him our best, that whatever path we're called to take, we're going to serve Jesus wholeheartedly. Whether it's mountaintop or valley, He'll have our affection, He'll have our devotion, He'll have our obedience. Let's bow our hearts and pray. We pray, Father, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Help us, Lord, to reject, keep us from distractions that would try to hinder us from following you as we ought. Lord, maybe there's someone within the sound of my voice. And they're not where they need to be because they've allowed an offense to cripple them. They've allowed something that's happened to them or something they've seen just really to take away their vibrancy. To take away their wholeheartedness. Let this be a day of new beginnings. Let this be a day of a fresh commitment to not allow those things to have a hold on them anymore, but to fix their eyes afresh on you and give you their very best. Father, help us to show our love for you in real and tangible ways towards others. And now, Lord, Father, in Jesus' name, Now please fill afresh those that are thirsty and those that are weary. Those that want a fresh filling of the Spirit to take on a new week, Lord, fill them afresh. Those that need a touch in their body, Lord, let your healing virtue flow. And Father, I pray, I ask you, Lord, help. Father, give someone the push they need to step out and obey the Word. You're speaking to their heart. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Have a great week. (laughs) Thank you, man.